With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hello. This is Dr. Eileen, and this is Medicine Walk. And for those of you who are joining me on Blog Talk Radio, this is Healing House Radio. And uh, I hope everything's going well for you. I hope you're having a good day, week, whatever. And no, my title wasn't clickbait. Um, I had a car stolen. And it, it, it's sort of an interesting scenario because the car had broken down and I needed to get a new car. And so a friend helped me to get a new car. And I was going to donate the old car because, I mean, basically it went forward great, but it refused to go in reverse. And the car had had other issues and it had been in an accident. So, you know, I felt that it was better to invest in a new car than it was to try to repair the old one. And, um, I mean, Monday was just, you know, like such an interesting day because I woke up and the new car that I had gotten had a flat tire. There was a puncture. And on the upside, the lady who does, when I called AAA, the person who was, you know, dispatched actually lives up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So it was actually not a problem for her to get there. And she said that it was just a puncture. And so that, um, I would be able to just get that fixed. And she put the little tiny spare tire on it. The one that they tell you don't go over 50 miles an hour. So I went to the tire place that I usually go to and what they do is they'll just fix a puncture for free. And I thought, well, this should be easy. Well, it turned out that there were problems with the tires. So it was actually kind of a good thing that I had the puncture because otherwise I wouldn't have known about the problem, you know, the, that the other tires there were issues with. So anyway, um, when, you know, after I got the tire changed and I came back down to go to work because my, uh, my old car had been parked at my office, I got there and my car was gone and there was broken glass. So I, I couldn't imagine, even if it was towed, that they would have had to break the glass. And so, I mean, I've never had that happen. I'm 56 and I've never had a car stolen. So, you know, I Google it up and it says, well, call the police department and, and find out if it was towed. Well, it was not towed. So it was a very surreal moment for me to realize that an automobile, I mean, even though I was going to donate it, still at that point, it was my car. And somebody just decided, oh, well, I like that, so I'm just going to take it. And it was something I wanted to talk about, because when things happen, it's very easy to fall into um, frustration. And, and also there's a grieving process that goes, that goes with it. And, and I went through like all five stages in about half an hour. And, you know, at first it was like, no, this car can't be gone. I must have parked it somewhere else. 
and then uh, you know and then it's like bargaining it's like okay god please just just let it be nearby let it let it have been towed somewhere so i can still get to it um anger oh my gosh wasn't there like an escalate i mean not that i would wish having a car stolen on anybody but my thought was well heck there are nicer cars out there than mine why take mine I mean, you could look at it. Obviously, it didn't belong to somebody who was like, you know, one of the Rockefellers or, you know, like really rich. So, yeah. And then, you know, depression where it's like, oh, man, it's gone. I mean, and my car's name was Seamus. I, and, and, you know, and I loved my Seamus. And even though, you know, he wasn't he was going to be going. I still, I pictured like, you know, doing this ceremony and saying goodbye and all of this, other, you know, all that sentimental stuff. And you guys who name your cars and honestly feel they run better when you talk nice to them, you know what I mean? You know, it's like when, when you have to let go of a vehicle, you know, it can be, it can be a little traumatic. So, you know, and then I reached acceptance. It's like, well, I was going to get rid of the car anyway. And, you know, whether or not I had a chance to say a proper goodbye, and I was fortunate enough to have another vehicle available to me. So, you know, I, I kind of pulled back and, you know, took stock. It's like, okay, you know, I, I, I recognize the fact that there's a part of this that's really hurtful for me. And one, it could have been a whole lot worse. And two this was an opportunity for me to really kind of use my tools. And that's an important point is we, we spend a lot of time talking about the tools we have and, you know, and about the toolkit. And the idea is, is the tools are the ways that we can respond to something. What are our choices when something happens that allow us to be able to move through it and be able to stay grounded and stay balanced and, you know, not end up on the news. So I really, you know, had a chance to kind of study how this situation affected me, how I was, I was impacted emotionally by it. Because, you know, I mean, when you get something taken or, or you're broken into, there's that sudden feeling of vulnerability, of, of violation. And it also, you know, kind of reminds us that everything we have is temporary and ultimately something will happen to everything. And it's important to remember that, you know, to look at what our attachments are to the things we have. And especially right now, and, and for those who are in the path of the hurricanes that, you know, are supposed to like hit landfall tomorrow and those who are, are involved in you know places where there are wildfires burning you know first off you know my prayers and and my heart go out to you i'm so sorry you're going through that and i wish you nothing but the best and i hope everything is all right and you know i hope you're safe i hope your loved ones are safe and i hope whatever process you know is meant to happen happens in the gentlest way possible and so, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, sometimes, yeah, you know, there's always a chance that, you know, all of the things that we own can be taken away from us. 
And what becomes important is what is it that we truly place our value on? You know, is it, you know, does all of our stuff, if we tell ourselves a story that our stuff defines us and, you know, the, the big, nice car or the, you know, the big, nice house or, or the, the paintings or, or the jewelry or the fancy clothes or whatever it is, if that defines you, then if something happens to that, you know, you're kind of in a tricky spot. When we are able to define ourselves, when we are able to realize that we may own items, but they don't own us. I mean, don't get me wrong. Having stuff is cool. I like having stuff. You know, I, I adore my, my PlayStation and I, I have a harp that, you know, is, I just really have had, I've had it for a very long time and I love it very much. And, you know, and there are things that I have that hold huge sentimental value. It's funny because, you know, I I'd pretty much taken everything that I really wanted out of the car. There were still a few, you know, little things that I needed to go through. But really the thing that hit me the most, the thing that, that struck me first was something that was hanging from the rearview mirror that had been given to me by someone very important to me. And it was just like a little sparkly thing. And it was like a little owl and it had a little message about friendship. And that was what I wanted most. And not because it, you know, was, was like held a huge financial value, but, but it, it was special to me. And that was something that was significant. I mean, and I guess even with the loss of the car, it was like, you know, well, yeah, that was going to go anyway, but I wasn't prepared for the loss of that item. And I was really surprised at how that was the thing that hit me hard about that. And like I said, we're living in a very uncertain world. And at any time, things could go in a direction where suddenly you don't have what you had. The thing is to consider what is it that if you lost everything that you own, what would you have? Well, you know, you'd have your family and your friends and people who love you. And, you know, it, it's, you know, when there was a point, I, you know, I live in Boulder Creek and, you know, there was a wildfire that was burning. And I'm trying to remember, was this year or last year? It kind of all runs together. It, it was, I'm pretty sure it was this year, I think, maybe. But, Anyway, there was a wildfire and there were evacuations ordered and, you know, and we were told to pack up our cars. And at that time I was driving, you know, a Seamus, my Ford Focus. And I thought to myself, okay, I don't have a lot of space and I have to get the dog and the cat and their stuff in and my box of important papers. So that only left a little bit more room for what was it I wanted most out of all my possessions. And there's something interesting about going through that process because I found I wasn't as attached to certain things as I thought I would be. I mean, yes, the harp was going in the car and, you know, the, the game system, it's like, you know what? I can let that go. You know, there was a, a box of things that had belonged to my mom and there was a teapot that my mom had, 
uh, given me that I had loved ever since I was a little girl. And I always loved that teapot. And so after my mom passed, you know, I, I had that teapot and I wanted to pack that and, um, some photos and, you know, the, the books I allowed myself to choose, like, you know, the books that were only the most important to me that I didn't figure I could replace. But the thing is, is that really when it all came down to it, the things I absolutely needed once they were in the car, there was still room left because I, I realized, okay, everything else I'll feel bad about losing, but I can live without. And I was able to, to kind of come to peace with that. Sorry, I don't mean to look down, but I've got another recording going and I just want to make sure that's going okay. So it's amazing once we start thinking about if we had to get out immediately, what is it that would be those few things that would be the most important thing to you? I mean, you know, yeah, you got to get your, you know, your box of documentation and, you know, all that stuff, paperwork and especially insurance policies and all of that. And then you have to have, you know, it's like, what do I need most? It's like, well, you got to, if there's any medication that you have, you got to pack that. If there's any, you know, spare reading glasses, you know, these things, if you, if you have glasses or whatever, you know, and you need them and then, you know, it's like, okay, some, some food, if I need food or you know, so there's a lot of things that, you know, you have to take that logical piece. But then when you go to the emotional, it's like, wow, you know, this particular thing that I need to take, you know, I knew there were pictures like of my sons. It's like, look, some of these can go, but there's a couple that were so special to me. I didn't want to let them go. So, you know, there was like, you know, one album of, you know, when they were young that, for some reason, it's like, no, I need that. So what is it that we can let go of? What is it that if fate, destiny, or a really jerky person decides to take from you, how do you deal and, and be able to say, okay, you know, maybe I start over. I mean, bless their hearts. There's some folks who just lose everything. Um, I have family in, you know, New Orleans and Louisiana. And when Katrina came through and looking at, you know, where houses were just sheared off their foundations in the flood and, you know, houses that, I mean, basically they look like they're a part of the swamp because, you know, their heat, humidity, everything grows and, and, you know, knowing that they lost everything, you know, pretty much everything but their lives. And, you know, some chose to just walk away and, and say, all right, we're done. And, you know, they would move out of the area. Others, you know, rebuilt and, and worked on that or they, you know, got new houses somewhere else. But the whole idea is that we can't be afraid of the fact that at any day we could lose everything. And at the same time, we need to be kind of, you know, cognizant of that fact as well. And when you think of the things, I mean, things, you know, not your pets, not, you know, whatever, but the things in your life, do you own them or do they own you? And if it's the second, take another look at 
what it is that is the story that you've got attached to it. I mean, technically, you know, all of my items were just items. It was the story that I attached, the little thing hanging from my rearview mirror in my old car. There was a story attached to it. That was what got me. It wasn't the loss of the item. It was loss of the story that I had with it. So consider your stories. Consider what it is that you, you know, how you place value in things. Because, um, you know, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in stuff. And like I said, stuff rocks. Stuff is cool. I enjoy stuff. Um, stuff makes life easy sometimes. You know, stuff makes life comfortable. And when we don't have it, you know, it, frankly, it sucks. So when we're able to look at the things in our life and say, okay, that is important to me for this particular reason. Someone once told me, you know, it's like, well, you know, just take all that stuff and you can take pictures of it and you'll have a picture of it and then you can get rid of it or you can donate it or whatever. And that never made sense to me. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, if it's something that's like a family heirloom and it's something that, you know, I might want to pass on, I'm not passing on a photo or, 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 you know, a JPEG, you know, and it's not the same. I mean, to me, it's not the same. That strategy may work wonderful for other people, but for me, it, it isn't the same. And it's okay for it not to be the same. And because of the fact that, and I've talked about this before, that, you know, during the big, you know, housing crisis and people were losing homes and, you know, everybody who had a subprime loan or, you know, and all that other stuff ended up losing their homes. Well, I was one of them. And it was a home that my parents had purchased, you know, my, my, Parents had been military. Well, my mom retired when they got married, but my dad stayed in. So we moved a lot. I, I'm an Air Force brat. I was born in uh, Ernest Armand Air Force Base in Newfoundland, Canada. And, you know, so we moved a lot and we never really had roots. And this was the first house that was like roots. This was, you know, we got it when my dad retired. And that was back in like 1969, 1970. And, you know, my parents passed away and, you know, my sister passed away actually in the house. And, um, it was, you know, there was a lot, a lot of attachment, a lot of, of intensity. And I ended up having it short sold. And that was a really, really, really hard, hard thing. You know, there was feelings of failure that I had failed my parents that, you know, I, I was just, I had made so many mistakes and this thing that I valued so much and it reached the point where I needed to accept that it was no longer going to be a part of my life, that, that my spiritual contract with that house had ended. And I like to think of spiritual contracts. It's not so much that, you know, oh, well, you know, we broke up or, or, well, you know, that person moved away or I lost that wonderful job. I feel the way I put it is 
my spiritual contract with that particular person or event or place is complete. And as soon as I started to reframe it that way, I was able to really accept that, I mean, yeah, the, the house had been, you know, in our family and I sort of loved it, but I started to see all its flaws. And I started to look as like, oh man, the plumbing's, you know, messed up or oh this or oh that. So I, I started, the main thing I saw were its flaws. And when it was sold, it was sold to a family that just loved it. And there were children. And when I said goodbye to that house, and I actually had a thing where I walked in through every room and I thanked the house for housing my family for all those years and all those generations, three generations of my family had lived in that house. And so I, um, you know, I went through and I told the house and, you know, yes, it may seem weird, but again, again, people who name their cars and who think of their houses as people, you know, I think there's spirit in everything. So that's why I do that. And I told the house that it would have laughter in it again and it would have, you know, children and the people who were com who were going to have it were going to love it and they were going to fix it up in a way that I couldn't afford to. And sure enough, you know, I've driven past the house, you know, it's only like about an hour away from me. And they completely remodeled it down to they actually chose the same colors to repaint it that I had always wanted to paint it. And to me, it felt happy. It felt glad that our contract was complete so it could go and become the home of a whole new family and whole new people and whole new memories. And that helped me to feel better. It helped me to release that. And ultimately, you know, losing my house, which I viewed of as the most horrible thing or one of the most horrible things that could possibly happen, ended up leading me to where I live, which is a little cabin up in the woods next to a river surrounded by trees and wonderful friendly people and in just a little small town the home i had always dreamed of having when i was little i finally had and yet it took letting go of the story that i had attached to something and being able to accept that this might lead me to something really cool and that completing that contract was okay so once I got that into my head, then a lot of very cool things started to happen. And, you know, yes, I had a flat tire, but that flat tire led me to find out something very important about the safety of the vehicle. So I was able to make the vehicle safer, you know, and there was an underlying problem that I didn't know was being caused by the fact that there was an issue with the tires. So that was a good thing. And yes, my car was, you know, I'd come in and find out that my, my old car was stolen and I was going to donate it anyway. And I reminded myself of that, you know, it was, even though I didn't let go of it in exactly the way I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted it to go to help the needy and well, I guess maybe in a way it did. I'm, I'm not sure. So actually right now, I would like to make a statement to whoever took my car.
And while I know the chances of them ever seeing this is probably, you know, beyond none, I still want to make this statement. I'm sorry that your life led you to a place where you feel you have to take things that belong to other people. And I don't appreciate that you took something that belonged to me. I also get that it's a tough world and right now times are tough. I know you know that was the wrong thing to do and there's something in you I believe that knows that and, and feels bad about it. Whatever drove you to have to do that and take that vehicle I mean, you didn't know that it didn't run properly, but I hope that you will just leave it somewhere reasonably intact so it can be found and that maybe there's still the possibility of donating it. But I forgive you. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, you know, that old line, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. But you also taught me something valuable. You reminded me the importance of being able to release an attachment. And I hope your life goes in a better direction than the one it's been going in. And I hope that that moment is one that can change your life. But no matter what, I don't hate you. I hope your life goes in a better direction. And I hope you at least treat the vehicle kindly. Because Seamus deserved it. His name is Seamus. Well, thank you for that. Thank you all for bearing witness to that because I felt like it was an important thing for me to say. Like I said, the chances of the person who took it ever seeing this are probably, you know, nothing. But on the off chance that someone knows somebody who took a black Ford Focus and ever maybe sees this one day, maybe one day that person will see it. So... If by then they do, I hope they're doing better. So, mind your attachments. You know, I could have stood in the parking lot and screamed and cried and railed and talked about how humanity is horrible and, and no one's to be trusted. But I didn't want to. That takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy. So, own things but just don't have them own you. Be attached, but don't be so attached that you can't do without it because one day, eventually, you'll have to. And enjoy the things you have now. Appreciate the things and the people in your life while you have them because you're not always going to. But that's okay. That's life. That's how it works. So it's a reminder to have fun 
enjoy, to hug, to embrace, to listen to, to be compassionate with, and to just appreciate all the things you have because we really are honestly blessed. You know, there's a lot of tough times and a lot of folks going through a hard time. And if you are, I'm sorry. And I wish you the best. And always be aware of the ways that it could be worse. So thank you for joining me. And um, if Seamus turns up, I will keep you guys posted. But uh, in the meantime, if you find value in this, if this was helpful for you in any way, you can like this video, you can comment. And if you comment, uh, I, I will respond back. And in fact, I'm online now and, you know, answering comments live as this video is playing. So if you have any comments, you know, just go ahead and send them and I'll respond. Uh, you can share this video if you, you know, feel it could help somebody else. And you could also subscribe to the channel, which is always fun watching a, watching a channel grow. You can follow me on Twitter. You can also um, join my Facebook group, Medicine Walk with Dr. Eileen. And if you need to reach me, you can do so through any one of those. And if you would really like to help out the channel, then you can go to Patreon and the link is in the description and become a sponsor. So once again, thank you for being with me. I'll see you next week. And until then, as always, I wish you balance and I wish you blessings from my heart to yours. Love you. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.